We tonight are starting a series that's actually going to go all the way uh, through October. Um, it's a dating and relationship series called How to Date Right in a Swipe Right Society. Uh, and, and, and so we're, we're starting that tonight. Now, I've got a couple kind of disclaimers that I've, that I've got to say just to kind of explain this stuff to you. Because it's, it's such a big topic. It's such an important topic. The reason that we're teaching on it is because we, it matters to you. And because it matters to you, it matters a ton to us. We also believe uh, that it matters a ton to God on how uh, we relate with one another and how we kind of go through this process of dating. And so we want to help you the best way that we know how from the scriptures to date well. Um, the first thing that you need to know that there is no one dating talk to rule them all, right? So it's not the, the ring, Lord of the Rings nerds, where you at? So, uh, so this is a progressive conversation. And because it's a conversation, it doesn't mean that myself or Shannon are going to be the only ones talking to you during this. We, there's going to be a moment uh, at the end of the series, the very last Tuesday in October that we gather together where we're going to have a Q&A with me and my wife. Um, and that'll be an opportunity for you guys to kind of text in questions and things that you're thinking about and things that I don't cover in any of the talks or Shannon doesn't cover in the talk um, that you really want to know, you want to ask, and you can ask those things anonymously. So we're going to set that thing up for you. But I would love it if you were taking notes during this series, um, and also you were writing down questions and things that you would have. You could either email me those beforehand, um, or you can um, or you can save those for that note. But but know that this is uh, multiple parts to this series. So if if you leave tonight um, and you're like that was super confusing or that wasn't helpful, I'll just hold on. It gets worse. No, there's more. There's more layers to it, and there's more levels to it, and there's more voices that are going to be speaking to it. Um, and if you, if you skip out on the whole rest of the thing, make sure that you come to that Q&A because my wife's like wicked smart and super helpful, uh, unlike her husband. But that's a good, that's a good time up there. Um, there's two main questions that we are aiming to answer with this series. The first is, is how to date uh, and kind of like, well, what are the rules of dating if I want to date as someone who wants to honor Jesus with the way that I date? And then, and then who, who to date? Uh, and that's one of the things that Shannon is going to kind of delve into with us. So uh, that, that who to date is the idea of we really want to encourage you and help you to be the right person. Most of you are trying to kind of use a lot of your energy to find the right person. Uh, we feel like um, what the, the scripture kind of turned upside down. We're like, well, first try to be the right person. Who is it that God calls you to be? Um, so the Bible, the third thing to note is that the Bible doesn't talk about dating. There, there aren't any verses in the Bible about dating, but it does talk about our relationships with each other. So this teaching uh, is going to be based on wisdom from the, from the scripture. Hopefully that's not a huge shock to you. Um, but if you get like offended with what I say, uh, just get offended with God because it's his, uh, it comes from him and it's applied to this context. And then, and then lastly, and I really want you to hear this super clear. So God, uh, first and foremost, and then us as a 710 team, we are very pro-relationship. So we are unashamed. One of the things that we say about 710, this community exists for you to grow in relationship with one another. We want you first and foremost to grow in your relationship with Jesus because we don't think there's a better relationship you'll ever have than that one. But we also want you and encourage you to grow in your relationships with one another, which is why we meet in a venue like this and across table and have things like welcome parties and summer bash and stuff like that because we want you to grow in that. So God created relationships. God created everything that goes with it. Romance, companionship, marriage, sex, 
all from God and all good. And it's best experienced in accordance with God's design. So we want to lay that out for you. And so you know just right off the bat, this is not going to be a bunch of middle-aged dads talking to you about, like, you shouldn't be dating. That's not it. We want you to date. We want you to be in relationship with one another. But we want you to do it well. We want you to do it right. So I'm going to pray kind of to that end uh, and that God would help us in our time tonight. Uh, Father God, thank you. Thank you so much for giving us this moment of singing. And uh, God, it was just so great to hear uh, us together as one voice. God, declaring how almighty and how powerful and how great and good you are. Um, And God, our corporate confession that we need you. We always need you. And God, that is the heart that I'm bringing to this moment right now is, God, just my desperate need for you. So Spirit of God, would you help me? And would you speak to me? Uh, And would you speak to us? And would you control me in this moment? Would Would you bring freedom and illumination in this moment? God, the last thing in the world that I want to do with a, with, a, with a message or a talk on dating and relationship is, God, compound enslavement that people might feel or bring a word of condemnation, God, or, or bring words of shame. God, because those are not your words. Those are not your words at all. So, God, protect me. Protect us from that. And instead, God, would you help me to communicate your grace and your mercy, and more than anything, God, your love, because your love sets the standard and sets the table for us in our love with one another. And Jesus, I love you so much, and um, I, I want these people in the room to love you more uh, when they leave, so would you, would you help me with that? It's in your name and pray. Amen. There's a guy named David Brooks. He's a columnist for the New York Times, and he wrote an article called The Social Frontier Facing the New Modern Single. And listen to what he says. This, this article is a couple years old, but, but this, I think it's still true. He's talking about the new modern single. He says, they hit puberty around 12, and many don't get married until they're past 30. That's two decades of coupling and uncoupling, hooking up, relationships, and shopping around. He says, this period isn't a transition anymore. It's a sprawling life stage, and nobody knows the rules. Once young people came a calling as part of courtship, and then they had dating and going steady. But the rules of courtship have dissolved. They've been replaced by ambiguity and uncertainty. Cell phones, Facebook, I'll put in there Instagram, Tinder, text messages, give people access to hundreds of friends that only increases the fluidity, drama, and anxiety. And in my experience in conversations with young singles over, over a decade now, I hear this all the time when they start to talk about dating. It, there's ambiguity, uncertainty, drama, and it all produces this kind of anxiety. Uh, whenever I find out that, that two people in 710 have started dating, um, I love it. And at the same time, I know like, oh, oh watch out, because th- this is either going to be something that like they're going to go ahead and they're going to get married and it's going to end up, it's going to be great, or they're going to break up and then they're never going to see one of them again because it'll just be too weird and they, and they won't come. Some, somebody on Twitter, they wrote this, they wrote, the adventure of Christian dating is this, one date means I'm either going to be engaged in three weeks or I will never talk to this person again. And I felt like that really has been like my experience with just from a distance, kind of from the cheap seats, kind of watching this, watching this happen. And honestly, because I am so pro-relationship, 
it makes me sad that something that should be associated with words like fun and exciting are more often described as, oh, it's just sad, it's exhausting, it's stressful, and it shouldn't be like that. So what we need is we need um, to know what the rules are to this process. We need to know how do we date right in a swipe right culture. And we chose that because that's really what culture has done to dating, is they've boiled it down to like the most simplistic, almost kind of like animalistic, meaning like dehumanizing level of choosing a mate. Like, but, like it was almost like we had things like eHarmony or whatever, or, you know, I don't, I don't know what they all are, but we had these kind of things. You had to fill out a profile. It was like somebody was like, profile, too long. Let's just, how, how can we simplify this process? How can we simplify the process of finding somebody that I'm going to invest my life in? And that's the kind of culture that you, as a, as a Christian, I know not everybody in the room is a Christian, but if you are, you're trying to honor God and honor what God says about relationships and yet still operate in a culture that clearly doesn't honor what God says about humans and what God says about our interaction with each other. So how do we date right in a swipe right society? Because I think the lack of any kind of like intentional process, and you're going to hear me talk about that a lot, just the intentional process of dating— a lack of intentionality in that process really adds to the stress of modern dating. It's kind of like this, right? So girls, you'll, you'll say, okay, this guy, he asked me to hang out. So what does that mean? Does that mean that I, I, hanging out is like me watching him and his friends play Fortnite all night? Is that what hang out, is that what I've been invited to? Is that what's happening here? Or does that mean that he's interested in me? Like what, is, what does hang out mean, right? And, and guys, I'll talk to you and you'll be like, look, I'm not really sure what to do because if I ask a girl on a date, it's gonna sound too formal. And if I really do just want to be nice and invite her to hang out with me and my friends, I, I know what that means, but I don't think that she knows what that means and I don't know how to tell her what I think it means. And so there's a lot of confusion on both sides, on both sides of this argument. We had a, um, I, I did this little kind of focus group. I had, there was like a dozen of you that came out of this community. We had dinner together and just we're getting in this conversation. And it went like a thousand different directions. And, and I would ask like one question and it just kind of went round and round. I and mean, it was like a tornado. And it, what, it's nobody's fault, probably mine because I was the moderator, but it just felt like, Man, there really is a lot going on when people start to think about dating. I'm going to give you my definition of dating. It's super romantic. Dating is a process of evaluating a person where you discover if they are a good fit for you to link with you for the rest of your life. Not just give you chills, right? Dating is a process. It's a process of evaluation. And a process has movement to it. It's a series of actions unto a predetermined end. Dating is not a status that you just sit in. Uh, I guess we're dating now. No, dating is, that's how I said it to my wife. Dating is a process where there's, there's movement. It's meant to have a movement to an end. Now, again, I said the Bible doesn't really talk about dating per se, right? So there's no verses about Moses taking Zipporah to Chili's. We don't have that. It's not in there. We, we, we don't see it, right? But the scripture has a ton to say about how we evaluate relationships, now, we can talk about like the modern systems of dating and what's the best method and all that. I really don't want to get into that. What I do want to get into is I want to get into the best principles laid out in Scripture concerning how to properly evaluate 
whether or not someone is a good fit for you for the rest of your life. And these are timeless principles that apply across a broad range of culture and scenario. Now, here's, here's the thing that you really have, because I don't want you to get frustrated. I don't, I don't want you to get frustrated with this. Here's the thing you have to realize. We're talking about principles, not steps. And here's the, here's the difference, right? And, and I know you'd much rather have steps. A lot, you'd much rather have just like step-by-step directions, right? And that works great when you're putting together a desk from Ikea, right? I want like the step-by-step picture of the weird cartoon guy hammering the thing together. That's what I want. I want step-by-step directions. I don't want principles when I'm trying to put together furniture. I don't want principles of woodworking and metal and materials and furniture. And how I, I want step-by-step directions, but dating does not work that way because human relationships are way too dynamic. They're way too different, and they're always changing. I, it's, I heard a guy, and I thought this was really good. He said, dating is more like sailing a ship across the ocean, not like putting together furniture. Steps don't work. A turn-by-turn, step-by-step direction doesn't work if you're sailing a boat across the ocean because the environment is way too dynamic. And even if somebody did give you a step-by-step book, it would just be a story for what worked for them at one time. Who knows what you're going to encounter on your journey? But principles, they teach you how to respond in different scenarios and challenges, how to use a compass, how to chart a course, how to navigate using the North Star. These are things that are unchanging truths that you can use in every changing environment. So I'm going to give you half the principles tonight and the other half on the 18th when we come back together for the welcome party that you're all going to be at and eat tacos with me. All right, so principle number one, principle number one of how to date right and a swipe right culture. Principle number one is you date prayerfully. You date prayerfully. We begin with prayer because prayer invites the God of the universe into the process with us. And when we lean into and when we rest in the sovereign love and purpose of God in our lives, it takes the desperation out of dating. It takes the desperation out of dating. So often what I have seen is that dating is motivated by either consumerism or fear. What will I get or what will I lose? The fear of being rejected. The fear of being alone that motivates me in my dating, or the consumerism, the recognition of being with someone, the the security of having a relationship, those things that I get from it. And our dating, if we fall into the trap of the culture or just go into the stream of the culture, will be motivated by either fear, what am I going to lose? What if I miss out on something? or consumerism. What can I get? What can I take? What's in it for me? And our process of evaluation gets all scrambled up because of anxiety, and we can't fully be our true selves. Some of you, you're, you're, you're post-college, or maybe you're in the middle of college, but you've been on job interviews, right? Are those ever calm situations? They're always nerve-wracking because you feel like you have to be the version of yourself that the person wants so that you can get a job, so that you don't get evicted out of your apartment, so that you can pay your bills and make money, right? Dating, a lot of times, can feel like a really long job interview, 
where I have to perpetually be kind of bringing this version of myself, making compromises all, the way, all along the way, so that you get kind of the version of myself that I think you're going to like the most. I can't be my true self with you. And so prayer is so critical at the outset because it acknowledges God in the process. Now, like, I realize if you're not a Christian, if you're not a Bible person, this makes zero sense to you. I totally understand that. But just kind of track with me here because I think even if you're not a Christian, if you're not a church person, you still have understood or felt the anxiety that happens in, in dating, the desperation that can happen in, in dating. Prayer is so critical as it acknowledges God in the process, and it allows the truth of who he is to influence and inform our thoughts and our actions. Listen to what the scripture says about who this God is, that when you pray, you invite him into the process. Romans 8, 28, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. So God is working for your good. 1 Peter 5, cast your anxiety on God because he cares for you. He cares for you. He's working for your good. He cares for you. 1 John 4, we've come to know and believe the love for which God has for us. There is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. So I want to pray and I want to start this process of dating with prayer because when I do, I realize that I'm linked up with God who's for me, who cares for me, and whose love casts out all fear. That is the God that I want invited in to this process of evaluation, this, this dating Prayer releases anxiety and fear and our self-centeredness, and it replaces those things with rest in the sovereign love of God. It takes desperation out of dating. It liberates you from all the work of trying to get somebody's attention. You don't have to do that because you know that God is leading you in a good way. You can rest, and God is leading me through this process. God who cares for me, who wants the best for me, who's for my good, who knows me, right, and whose love casts out fear. In Genesis chapter 24, it's one of the, the biggest chapters in Genesis, it's all about this guy Abraham. And what Abraham's trying to do is he's trying to find a wife for his son Isaac. And, um, and so he takes his servant uh, and he says, look, I want you to go back home because uh, they were out of the country at this moment. And, and he says, I want you to go back home and I want you to find a wife from our people. And so Abraham sends his servant back to his people and get a, he says, go get a wife for my son, right? And the servant says, well, what if the wife is not willing to come with us, which is a completely fair question. And Abraham and his, and his son Isaac, they're kind of living on the cutting edge of faith, right? They're serving God in this remote place in a really radical way. And the servant says, look, what if a woman is just not willing to join you guys in your life the way that it is? And listen to what Abraham says in Genesis chapter 24. He says, the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house, the land of my kindred, he will send an angel before you and will take a wife for my son. But... If the woman is not willing to follow you, then you are free from my oath. So this is the perspective that Abraham has, and it's really helpful for us. He says, look at that. He says, the God of heaven will provide a wife for my son. And if he doesn't, I'm not worried about it. Because he says, I trust God with my life. And many of you in this room, you've made that confession at some point in your life. He'd say, I'm a follower of Jesus. I trust God with my life. In fact, if you're a Christian, you say something even more ridiculous than that. You say, I don't just trust God with my life. I trust God with my eternal life that none of you have ever seen. 
I trust God for my eternal life. And what Abraham says is like, I trust God with my life. And the more you rest in that place, the more it liberates you from trying to manipulate and be desperate in the process of evaluation, right? You, in, in, the, in the scriptures, there's a story of Ruth and Boaz, and that just might be like your life, right? They're just trusting God, right? You're doing the work of God. You're doing what God's called you to do. You're just kind of picking the wheat, and one day you look up, you're like, hey, who's that in the field? All right, right? It could be something like that. Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding, and he will make your path straight. Do you trust God with your dating life? That might be a question that you have to answer honestly and seriously. Do I trust God? with my dating life. Because when you do, it takes the desperation out of dating. Now, I had an amazing conversation with a guy in our community kind of about that. And, and he's like, look, man, I know the Ruth and Boaz story, right? I know the whole deal. I've read all the books. I've listened to the messages. But you got to just tell me, like, what do I do? Like, do I wait? Do I just, like, literally sit in my apartment and just wait? Like, is God, is a, hi, I'm your wife. God just sent me here. Like, <laughs> What is, what in the world do, do I do? Do I, do I put myself out there? You know, like, what, what am I supposed to be? Here's the answer. Yes, right? Which that probably sucks for to hear. But the better question is not necessarily what do I do, but how should I be doing it? It's, it's, I, know, I know you want the step-by-step. You want the Ikea directions. But the principle that's transferable to every person in this room and applicable in every scenario in this room is not so much what should you be doing. And I'm more than, more than willing, and Shannon's more than willing, to have those kind of conversations with you on a one-on-one basis. I'd love that. I honestly would. But how should I be doing it? And the answer is prayerfully, not out of desperation. And, and listen, I, I hope that you are. I hope in your life you're pursuing the things of God. And I hope that as you're kind of invested in a community like this, or maybe you're at a different church or whatever it looks like, as you're kind of doing the things that God's called you to do in a community with God's people, that I hope that there's somebody who's cute, who's running along and doing the same thing. And you start to talk to them, and you're interested in them, and they're interested in you. And you start doing stuff together, and you're hanging out, and you eat tacos or whatever it is that you do. And while you're doing that, you find someone that you really want to spend time with, and you move towards that person. But while you're doing that, at the beginning of that process, you're engaging in that prayerfully. All right, so you've prayed about it, and now you engage principle number two, which is date with clarity. So you're going to date prayerfully, then principle number two, date with clarity. Date with clarity. Ephesians chapter four says that a hallmark of the people of Jesus is that we speak the truth in love. Proverbs 24, 26 declares that an honest answer is a kiss on the lips, meaning it's a sign of respect and love to tell someone the truth. It's a sign of respect and love to tell someone the truth. Now, I have to say this because some of you are gonna get haphazard with it. It does not mean that you tell someone every single thought that comes in your head, right? It's not what that's saying. Because the Proverbs also celebrates prudence, which is the weighing of your words carefully, right? Sometimes the first thought that pops in your head is not something that you really believe, and it's definitely not something you should ever say. Ever, ever, ever. Don't, don't say that, right? And in the world of dating and relationships, there's so much ambiguity and anxiety. And so what we need is, is clarity. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. That word perish out there means it's translated unrestrained or out of control, 
When no one is giving direction, people feel out of control. When I was in college, um, all my kind of upper-level business classes, they were all these group projects. And I had some really great groups where there was a point person who would say, okay, you're doing the presentation, you're doing all the data and analytics, you're doing this research, you're doing the kind of... And those were awesome groups because everybody knew what we were doing and what direction we were in. And the groups that were not awesome were the ones where, like, usually I was in charge and was like, uh... What do you guys want to do? Just whatever? Okay. And, and sometimes dating can feel like that. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? And, and that's kind of how we get. And, and where there is no vision, where there is no direction, there's anxiety, right? You ever been lost, like, without GPS or without signs, without map, anything like that? It's anxiety. It's an anxious thing. And our relationships can be like that, right? When you have to have the conversation with the person that you're dating, like, so where are we? Like, this define the relationship conversation, those are usually not associated with happy thoughts, right? There's usually a lot of stress. You need clarity in dating because it's no fun being lost. There's three important places for clarity, right? You need clarity in initiation. There needs to be clarity and initiation in the process of dating. In 2012, there was a national survey that indicated that only 12% of American women asked anyone out the previous year. That's not a, that's not a survey of Christian women. It's just an all-out America in our day. Asked women, have you asked anybody out? And only 12% said yes. So whatever it is that you believe about male-female roles and relationships, the data suggests that women want men to initiate. And according to recent polls, they prefer you to do it face-to-face, right? So some like texting, some like calling. Good luck with that. Um, Don't get me started on the DMs. I know that's a thing. I just don't, don't. Connor tried to explain it to me. I'm 100% positive he doesn't know what that is, but... So here's, here's the thing, and, and guys, most women don't want to be invited just to hang out. You know, we talked about that, right? So if you want to go on a date with a girl, guys, say, would you like to go on a date with me? And when you use the word date, at least the woman knows what she's getting into. If that feels too weird to do that, then plan something and then invite that woman to the thing that you planned with you, Right? Have clarity in the initiation. Have clarity in the initiation. Make it clear that you're starting a a, a process. Just don't say it quite like that. (laughs) Right? Okay. Next, have clarity with your intentions. Have clarity with your intentions. Have clarity with the initiation. Have clarity with the intentions. Do not play games. Right? Don't play games. Don't, don't, that's for the guys, Grant. Um, Don't, don't flirt and then ask him out. And then two weeks later, they get a text from you, right? That is the stuff for people with nothing better to do, okay? That is the thing that people who have nothing better to do do. Now, listen, if you're a Christian, That does not describe you. Because if you are a Christian, you have a purpose in your life. You have a mission in this life. You do not have time to waste time. So don't waste each other's time. 
in a world that is going to hell apart from Jesus, you have hope in you, you have an answer in you, and we are joined with Jesus in his work of restoring all things. We do not have time to mess around, so say what you mean and mean what you say. Be clear about the process, right? Again, it doesn't mean you, if you just see a cute girl, you walk up to her and you're like, I would like to start the process with you now. <laughs> do not do that. Don't do that. Don't do that, right? It means, look, if there is a girl that you enjoy talking to or you think she's fun to be around, ask her, hey, would you like to go on a date to dinner with me? Or would you like to go on a date and have coffee? Or would you like to go on a hike? And, and after that, you can ask her, look, would it be okay to call you again? And, and can I do something like this again with you, another date? And after a couple dates, if you get that far, she's going to start to think some things. And that's when you need to say things to her like, look, I want you to know I'm not trying to get married in like a month, right? But I'm not wasting your time either. I've enjoyed getting to know you. I think you're the kind of person I could see myself in the future with. Do you mind if I keep calling you and going to different places and we watch each other eat food together? Could, are you cool with that, right? But, but listen, be clear in the process. And, and, then, and then lastly, after, you, after you've been clear about the initiation, you've been clear about the intention, you're, you're talking about like what direction you feel it's moving into, you give them clarity about the exit. You give them clarity about the exit. It is important to be clear with each other about how this process might end. If at any time someone is not comfortable about how the relationship is going, give them the right to say, look, I feel like this relationship needs to stop. And be clear about that. I, I, I realize like that can seem awkward, and it is awkward. But it's even more awkward when things just like die out and nobody says anything. 1 Corinthians 14 says that God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Jesus was full of grace and truth, and so we graciously speak the truth to one another. So ladies, don't freeze a guy out or just ghost him to avoid something potentially awkward. If you're not interested, say something like this. You seem like a great guy, which is a, like a death kiss for every guy. You're like, I know where this is going. It, it's never like, you seem like a great guy. Let's get married. It's No, it's like, you seem like a great guy. <laughs> I'm just sick of eating with you. Um, but I don't see this going anywhere, but thank you for the invitation. I'm telling you, that is a far more loving thing to do than to just go radio silence on somebody. So be, be clear. So, okay, so last principle, you should date prayerfully. You should date with clarity. And then lastly, and we're almost done, you should date with autonomy. So dating principle number three is you should date with autonomy. So what, it, what, it, what does that mean? So the Bible acknowledges a few relational categories. Um, the first is a believer in Jesus Christ and a non-believer in Jesus Christ. And the Bible is very clear. You don't date across those lines. Not because one person is better than another person, but because you have different allegiances and you have different directions. You are meant to love that person and to be kind to them, but your primary goal in their life is to see them have an eternal relationship with God, not a romantic relationship with you. Let me say that again. For the non-believer in your life that you want to date, the Bible is very clear. You, 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 
you do not engage in that type of relationship, that person, because your primary hope and dream and focus for that person, for the non-believer in Jesus, is for them to have an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ, not a romantic relationship with you. And you're like, well, I mean, it's missionary dating. I mean, I'd like, how am I going to spend more time with them and tell them all about Jesus? Just stop. Just stop it, right? Okay? Don't date them. All right, so what other relationships are there? Within the circle of Christians, you have brother and sister in Christ. So we're part of a family. Scripture is very clear about that. Or husband and wife. And that's like once you've crossed that line of making a covenant of marriage with one another. And when you step into that covenant with one another, a whole new world of privileges and responsibilities opens up to you that should not be a part of your relationship with a brother or sister in Christ. Now, here's the problem. In our culture today, we've created this kind of interim category that's in between brother and sister in Christ and husband and wife, and we call it, we're dating. That's my boyfriend. That's my girlfriend. And what we try to do when we say those words, we're creating a new category, right? They're more than just a brother. She's more than just a sister, but she's less than a wife. He's less than a husband. And with this new category, we've kind of interjected these certain responsibilities and privileges that we now believe that we have because we've created a new category of relationship called we're dating. In essence, when we do that, we make dating a status that we rest in rather than a process that we move through. Do you see how this perspective and this paradigm shift changes the way that we date? Rather than being a status that we rest in, dating is a process that we're moving through. And the problem with creating this new category is the question of, well, what are the rules? What are the rules? Because usually how that gets discovered, we kind of bump into these new rules. We kind of, kind of figure them out as we're going along. Or we adopt them from some other place, from some other kind of stream of culture. Or new, responsible, new responsibilities as the other person kind of understands them. And, and there's always this kind of weird dance of trying to figure out, like, what are, my, uh, what are the rules? What are the responsibilities, right? So it might sound a little bit like this, like, hey, why didn't you text me today? Uh... I, I don't know. Am I, am I supposed to? I, I, I didn't really know that. Yeah, you're my boyfriend. You should text me every day. Or, like, if you're a guy, you're like, call up girlfriend. Hey, uh, are we going to go out tonight? Uh, well, no, because I'm going to go hang out with my girlfriends. Well, why didn't you make plans with me? I thought we were supposed to hang out on the weekends. So I'm supposed to check with you first before I make plans with my girlfriends to go hang out. Yeah, because I'm your boyfriend. I really honestly hope that conversation has not taken place <laughs> with anyone here. Otherwise, we got to have a conversation outside because that's lame, right? But that's how it goes. We have these kind of unspoken now rules and responsibilities, and we just go through this really stressful, awkward phase of figuring this stuff out. Or we assume that there are these new privileges that we get because now we're boyfriend and girlfriend. Right? Because before, she was just an acquaintance, acquaintance easy for you to say, or a or, or Christian sister. right? So if she's just your Christian sister, then you know, it's hands off. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to touch her. But now that she's my girlfriend, I have the privilege of kind of access of touching her more. And not in public because that's awkward, you know, but like back at our apartment, watching a movie, kind of late. But we're dating, right? So I can 
My hands can go maybe places that they didn't go before, right? Or, or my tongue can now go inside her mouth, and it couldn't do that before. Make everybody awkward? It's a thing, by the way. People do it, so. <laughs> Shannon will tell you about it. <laughs> right? <laughs> we, we create this, this new kind of relationship that has different privileges and different responsibilities, right? There's only one problem with all that stuff I just laid out. The Bible doesn't recognize that status. You're either brother or sister or your husband or wife. There isn't an intermediate thing. And look, that's where so many of you get confused because you make dating a status rather than a process. There are so many questions that, that you guys will ask me that come up that they don't make sense. If you think about dating as a status, they make sense. If you think about dating as a process, they don't make sense. Like you'll come up to me and say, hey, we've been dating for a little while. How do we, how do we keep the love alive? Like how do we, how do we kind of keep the, the fire, the passion going? And I'm like, what? I, if you don't like him, go get somebody else. Like it's an it's a evaluation process. If you're bored, don't, don't stay there. The, the most common questions from, from young adults always revolve around, well, well, what is permissible physically, right? Some of you, you've got that question even right now. Like, how far is, is too far physically? Now, the, the Bible talks about this explicitly to a married man. It's a very clear text concerning this. Proverbs 5.19, may her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Bingo. Clear, right? To the married man, that commandment is clear as day. There are commands for the brother and sister in Christ that are clear as well. First Timothy 5, Paul says to young Timothy, he says, treat older women as mothers and treat younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Okay, so what about boyfriend and girlfriend? Well, Again, there are no verses for that category because God doesn't acknowledge that as a category. So if I am dating, if I am a Christian, I have to fall back to texts like 1 Timothy 5. So treat older women as mothers, treat younger women as sisters with absolute purity. So now if I have that question, I can ask, well, okay, how far is too far physically with your mom? Or how far is too far to go with your sister or your brother? Everybody getting weirded out? It's getting weird. It's getting real weird. I, I'm feeling it too, right? The Bible draws a hard line between what is permissible sexually. In marriage, much. In singleness, none. In dating, still none. That is what the Bible has to say about that. Now, some of you, you've been dating for a while, and you'll say, well, I mean, it's like we're married. No, it's like you're not because you're not married. Because when you seriously take on the weight that says, I'm going to care for all of you. I'm going to care for all of you physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, till I die. That is a different weight. That is a totally different weight. And that affords you all kinds of privileges. There's all kinds of privileges that come with being married. And it shoulders you with all kinds of responsibilities. So if you want all the privileges and not all of the responsibilities, God does not acknowledge that. 
True love does not request access to your body while simultaneously avoiding any responsibility to care for you emotionally, spiritually, or financially. It is not romantic. It is dishonoring and dehumanizing because it treats you like property and a commodity that you can leave and swap out with no repercussion. Whenever I talk about sex with singles, I always say sex outside of marriage treats the other person like a rental car. Like when I go and rent a car, I drive the wheels off of that thing and I don't care. And I turn it in and I don't shed a tear. In fact, I might say, I want to rent another car. And I go and get another one. I drive like crazy and do whatever I want in that car. And that's what sex outside of marriage is like. I just use you and use you and use you until I don't. And then I turn you in. And I don't treat you like, I, I, like the, create, the image of God that you are. I don't, create, I don't, I don't treat you like the, like the beauty that you are that God has put in you. I treat you like something that I can use and discard. It's a whole nother talk. But dating is not a way for you to maximize benefits and minimize your obligations with a person. It's not a way for you to maximize benefits and minimize obligations with a person. It is not romantic to use another person or to waste their time. I cannot ask you to give me everything until I have given you everything in the context of a covenant of marriage that says, for life, I'm yours. For life, you're mine. Date to evaluate and evaluate as quickly as you can, but as long as it takes. Because that's what you want out of a season of real evaluation that leads to a solid conclusion, right? Either we are a good partnership or we're not. That's, that, I, none of this sounds romantic. I get it. That is the point of dating. This process of evaluating is like, is this a good partnership or is it not? Do they approach their relationship with Jesus in a way that's consistent with the way that you pursue Jesus or want to pursue Jesus? Do they battle against their sin in a way that you want to do battle against your sin? Or do they constantly give way to temptation? Listen, if you're, if, if, if you're a Christian and you are just constantly failing and struggling and giving way to temptation, you're like, I'm not talking about you're fighting it and struggling and losing. I'm talking like you're not even in the fight. It just, it wins. It kills you all the time. If that's you, you have no business in a dating relationship. And if, and, if, and if you try to sign up with somebody else who's like that, who's always failing, always failing, not even in the fight, that is a just dumpster fire waiting to happen. You don't want to date someone that is all drama, right? I knew you, you have trouble, and you walked in. So why did you date that person? That's dumb, right? <laughs> it makes no sense. It makes no sense. Life brings enough drama to be with someone that is full drama, right? Link together with a low drama person to embrace the drama of life together, supporting each other. Don't marry crazy, right? Like you face, you face the craziness of life with someone that is chasing the things of God along with you. That's what marriage is supposed to be. Now, and we're done. If you're thinking, oh my gosh, I already have a boyfriend and girlfriend, now I have to break up with them. Why did I come to 710 tonight, right? So just relax for a second, right? Because honestly, I don't care if you use the terms boyfriend or girlfriend. What I care about and what I think matters more is what you mean when you use those words. And be honest with yourself and with each other. If by boyfriend or girlfriend you mean this buys me certain privileges and access to that person, I am telling you it does not. 
not under God anyway. If you use those terms, remind yourself and each other, I have no right to this person's body. They have no right to my body. I have no claim on this person's life. They have no claim on my life. This person is not mine. I, as a single person, am accountable for what I do with my single life. And them, as a single person, they're accountable to God with what they do with their single life. She is a daughter of God and my sister in Jesus. And I will treat her that way. He is a son of God and my brother in Jesus. And I will treat him that way. So in two weeks... In two weeks, we're going to talk about four more principles that will clarify what that looks like. I'll give them to you. We're going to date with purity, date graciously, date in community, and lastly, date patiently. And we'll go over all those on the 18th. Let me pray for you guys, uh, and then we're done. God, thank you for just um, how incredibly relevant your word is and and. Father, I know that you care deeply about this, and, and God, um, this, this message and, and this topic, God, is not meant um, to lead us to a place of shame or condemnation. And I know, like, all throughout the room, God, I know all throughout my life and my dating life, God, there's just failure and train wrecks and wreckage. But God, I thank you for your grace, and I thank you for your love and your mercy and your forgiveness seen in you, Jesus, that covers those things. And God offers us a new hope, a new future, full of purpose, God, full of joy, resting in what you have for us. God, let us leave tonight believing that you are who you say you are, that you're for us, that you love us, God, that you care for us, and God, that in you there is no fear, and God, there is perfect love, and uh, I thank you for that. Be with us as we leave, God, and bring us back together again on the 18th. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Guys, have a great night. We'll see you on the 18th for the welcome party. Amen.